0: Thank you, choir, orchestra, k and K. I I love that song. We might do it again right in the middle of the message today. I don't know. We'll just see how it goes. One of the fascinating characteristics of God to me is that he communicates with man. God is infinite. We are finite. And yet God communicates with you and with me. That has always been true going back to the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man. In verse number 18, Then the Lord God said. So it is fascinating to me that God speaks to us. That was true with Adam and Eve. That is also true with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country to the land which I will show you. So in that passage of Scripture, God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to take you from the land with which you are comfortable. I'm going to take you to a land that I promised you. So God spoke to Abraham. God speaks to us. He speaks to us through His Word primarily. That is the reason the Bible is so important because it is the Word of God. It is God's direction to you and me, it is is His message to us. So He speaks to us through His Word. He also speaks to us through circumstances. Sometimes God is able to speak to us through a tragedy, through a birth, through a death, through some circumstance, and in that circumstance, God is able to speak to us. Sometimes He speaks to us through other people. There have been so many times in my life when someone has been an instrument of God to speak His message to me. Now, having said that, there is a caveat. As a pastor, oftentimes, someone will come and say, God told me that you need to do such and such. (laughs) Or God told me that you should do this or that. Now, my thinking is, well, I wonder why he didn't tell me. (laughs) I mean, if God has something to say to me, I I would think that he would say it to me rather than tell you to tell me. We could eliminate the middleman. But sometimes God does use people to speak to us. Well, those who know the Lord listen to His voice. In fact, the Bible says in John 10, 4, The sheep follow Him because they know His voice. So God speaks to us. Fascinating to me that God, infinite God, omnipotent God would speak to you and me and yet He does. Today I want us to look at a passage of scripture, a story that is one of my favorite in the Old Testament. It is when God called, called a Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Take your Bibles, look with me. Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said, Also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. And now behold, the city of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. God's call to us is oftentimes unexpected. Now, the reason for that is because usually, I believe, when God speaks to us, it is in the normal routine of life. In other words, when God speaks, there's not anything significant, not anything necessarily special that is going on. When God speaks to us, normally it is in the routine of life. And so it was with Moses. You look there in verse number one. Now, Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father in law. Verse number two, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. What was Moses doing when God spoke to him? He was pasturing the flock, he was taking care of the sheep, he was doing what he did every day. There was nothing special, there was nothing significant going on. He was simply taking care of the sheep, doing what he always did every day. And yet in the routine, God spoke to him. God spoke to Joshua in the routine of his life, the routine circumstance of life. The Bible says, now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them. So what happened in that instance? Well, Moses had died. Moses died and God said, Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now I want you to lead the people into the land of promise. It was routine. There was a circumstance. Moses had died. So God said to Joshua, I want you to lead the people into the promised land. It was a routine experience when God spoke to Samuel. You recall the story in the Old Testament about Samuel. He had gone to bed. He was asleep. God awakened him and God spoke to him as he was asleep. That oftentimes happens to Linda. Many times, and I'm not talking about during the sermon, I'm talking about about when she's in bed at home. But God will awaken her oftentimes at night, and when she is awakened, then she will pray for whoever it is that uh, God has put on her heart. But the, the point is, Samuel was in bed asleep, and God awakened him and spoke to him. Routine, nothing unusual at all. It was just the routine of life. Matthew, Matthew was at work when God called him and spoke to him. The Bible says in Luke 5, 27, and after that he went out and noticed a tax gatherer named Levi or Matthew sitting in the tax office and he said to him, follow me. Matthew was at work. He had gone to work that day, and there he is sitting in the tax office collecting taxes. Jesus came by, spoke to him in the routine of life. Folks, I think oftentimes we miss hearing God because we are looking for some dramatic display of God when God normally speaks to us in the routine of life. Billy Graham said, that a friend had invited him to a revival. It's just a revival, routine, nothing special going on. He invited him to a routine, to a revival, and there he was saved. Now, what happened was not routine, but it was just in the routine of life. Someone invited him to a revival. God spoke to his heart, and he was saved and made a difference for the Lord. My call to First Baptist Church came in a routine situation. I was at home Tuesday night, probably watching television or something, or maybe Linda had just fixed one of those wonderful gourmet home-cooked meals, and we were enjoying that. Probably had some Oreo cookies for dessert, I don't know. But it was just a routine. The phone rang. I answered the phone. It was Bob Debenport. He said, I'm the chairman of the personnel committee or the pulpit committee at First Baptist Columbia. We wanted to talk to you about coming to our church's pastor. Now, some of you will understand this, some of you will not. I didn't know Bob Debenport, never met him in my life. I didn't know First Baptist Church other than through Ed Young, who was a friend of mine. I had never been to South Carolina, and yet in that routine phone call, I knew that God was there. I knew there was something about God. I can't explain that to you, but I knew that. You see, just in the routine of life, nothing special, no bright lights, none of that. And yet God spoke to my heart. Now, perhaps in this ordinary service this morning, routine service, it's Sunday morning. Go to church Sunday morning. You're here. Nothing special. And yet, could it be that God is speaking to you today? In this routine service? That God is, Maybe nobody else. But God is speaking to you about something he wants you to do. Maybe it's to trust him as Savior. Maybe it's to commit new, your life to him. Maybe it's to become a missionary, a preacher, or something else. But in the routine of this service, maybe it's extraordinary, supernatural. Because God speaks to us in the routine of life. Now, admittedly, God has a way of speaking in the routine of life and displaying himself in a manner that gets our attention. You'll notice in verse number 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. That gets your attention, wouldn't it? I mean, you're out taking care of the sheep, routine, nothing unusual about it, and yet you see a bush over there that is on fire, and yet it is not consumed. God is able to get his attention. God got the attention of Jonah. God called Jonah, said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach my word to the people there. Jonah didn't want to do it because these are the enemies of Israel, so he went to Tarshish instead. But from the belly of a fish, God was able to get his attention. God can get our attention. Paul was in the routine of life, and God got his attention in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. And it came about that as he journeyed, he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. So Paul was in the routine he was going to Damascus. Not anything special about that, but... God got his attention through a blinding light. God was able to get his attention. Folks, God is able to get your attention. He speaks to us in the routine of life, but he is able to get our attention. And when he speaks, he expects us to act. Verse number 10 Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel out of Egypt God spoke to him to do something God spoke to Moses to do something God spoke to Paul to do something Acts chapter 9 verse 15 God said he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel folks God speaks to us that is fascinating to me but he expects us to obey. God speaks to us in the routine of life. He gets our attention, however is necessary, and he expects our obedience. Now then, having said that, even though that is true, we still struggle with the uncertainty, do we not? God speaks to me. There's an uncertainty that goes with it. And there was with Moses. You'll notice in verse 6, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Moses is involved here in a struggle. God has spoken to him, and he is struggling. Struggling with the will of God. What, what, What concerned him? With what did he struggle well, he felt inadequate. Verse number 11, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out? You want me to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go? Why in the world should Pharaoh pay any attention to me? I mean, he had already proven his disloyalty to Pharaoh by killing the Egyptians. So I understand that struggle, don't you? You want me to go to Pharaoh? I mean, I killed one of his guys. So he's struggling with that. He." He was also concerned that he didn't have authority to do what God called him to do. In chapter four verse number one, Moses answered and said, "What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? for they may say the Lord is not a, the Lord has not appeared to you. I'm supposed to go to the people of Israel and say, "Hey, I'm your leader, line up. We're going to the, promise, we're going to the promised land. Well, why should they listen to, to me? I'm your leader. Why should they listen to me? You see the struggle? And then he was concerned about his own ability. In chapter 4, verse number 10, Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses is saying, God, you want me to lead the people. You want me to speak on your behalf. Have you not noticed I'm a shepherd, not a speaker? Lord, I I can't. So Moses is going through this struggle. God has called him to do something, but he is struggling with the call. Why should Pharaoh listen to me? Why should the people follow me? I'm not a speaker, Lord. I can't do that. Gideon struggled with the call of God. God called him in Judges 6.14. The Lord God looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. So God said, Now, Gideon, I want you to be a warrior. I want you to deliver my people from the Midianites. Well, Gideon struggled with that in Judges 6.15. And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. God, you want me to do this? Don't you know that my family is the smallest family in our tribe? And I am the youngest in my family. He was struggling with it. God had called him, but he struggled. Israel constantly struggled with the call and the will of God. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, the Bible says, And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? That word means to jump back and forth so they were vacillating they would be over here this is what i'm supposed to do then they'd come over here and then they would go over here then they would go over there so they were jumping back and forth between the two opinions so elijah said look here's what it is if god is god you follow god if he isn't you don't folks i'd say that to you if you believe that god is god then it behooves you to follow him because he is God. If you do not believe that God is God, then you do something else. We struggle with God's call. All of us do. We struggle with his will in our lives. We all do. Maybe today you're struggling about salvation. God is calling you to salvation, but you're thinking, well, I don't know if I can live up to it. I don't know if I can live it. And so you struggle with it. Or maybe you, you struggle with his call to service in your life. I know I did. When God called me to, to ministry, I, I struggled with that. That wasn't something that was easy for me. So it was a struggle for me. Maybe, maybe you're struggling about the future that God has for you, but we struggle. But here's the thing. God is greater than our struggle. And God overcomes our struggle. Well, what about Moses? Now, he felt that he was inadequate in verse number 11. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And that was his struggle. Now, look at verse 12. And God said, certainly I will be with you. God is saying to him, I'm going to enable you. I'm going to be with you. Moses was struggling, but God said, I'm going to be with you. He was concerned about a lack of authority. In chapter 4, verse number 1, Moses answered, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? They may say, The Lord's not appeared to you. And the Lord said to him, What's that in your hand? He said, A staff. Then he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. It became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Now what God is doing there is saying, Moses, if I need to perform miracles to establish you, I can do that. Whatever you need, I can do that. If if it requires a miracle to establish your authority, I can perform miracles. Well, what about his inability to speak? Chapter 4, verse number 11. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be your mouth and teach you what you are to say. God said, you don't have to worry about your ability to speak. He said, I made the mouth. I can cause you to speak. We overcome our struggles with God's will by faith in his power. You see, he has promised us his power. He's promised that he will give to us his power to do his will. The Bible says in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me. Now, what Jesus says there is that I have all power. All power is mine, and therefore it is available to you. If you struggle with God's will, the word from God is that I have all power, and it is available to you. He's promised his power. He's promised his presence. Matthew 28, 20, lo, I am with you always. God never leads us anywhere that he does not accompany us. I am with you always. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, I am with you always. That's a promise of God. He said all power is available to you. My presence is available to you. And then he promises his provision. Philippians 2.13, it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, we struggle with God's will, but God is able to overcome our struggle as we put our faith in him. And as we put our faith in him and act, then action is confirmed. Action confirms his will. What we want in seeking the Lord's will for our lives is confirmation and we say God if you will confirm to me this is what you want me to do, if I can be sure this is what you want me to do then I will do it. But that eliminates faith. There is no faith if it is confirmed first. So the way the Lord requires it Is that we believe something to be God's will, we act on it in faith because we believe it to be God's will, and then God confirms His will. But action always precedes the other. We struggle with uncertainty. But God is greater than our struggle. Then, ultimately, God's will is unavoidable if you're a child of His. Now, here's the way that it works we see that there is a need that exists. We become aware of the need, and Moses was aware. Verse number seven The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. So the Hebrews are in bondage to the Egyptians. They are suffering as a result of being slaves, and they begin to cry out to God. So there is a need that exists. That was the reason God called Moses. God called Jeremiah because he needed a prophet God called Isaiah because he needed a witness. In Isaiah 6, 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? The point that I'm I'm making is that we first of all are aware that there is a need. There is a need. God calls us because a need exists. So we become aware of the need Secondly, we become aware of His grace. Verse number 8, So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. God said, Moses, I am calling you because the people of Of Israel my people are suffering and I want you to lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey God wanted to be gracious to them and folks God is gracious in his dealings with us and he wants to use you to be a blessing to someone else so we're aware of the need we become aware of the grace of God and then we become aware of the responsibility that is ours God called Isaiah because he needed a witness and so Isaiah said, then I said, here am I, send me. There was a need and God called Isaiah to meet the need. Isaiah accepted his responsibility, here am I, send me, let me do it. Jeremiah was young, he was fearful, but he was obedient and God called him. We have the responsibility to be obedient to God's call. God calls us. We belong to him. If you are a child of his, we belong to him. And when God calls us, it is our responsibility to be obedient to him. Let me conclude. God calls people to his purpose. Moses, I want you to lead my people out of the bondage of Egypt. Isaiah, I want you to be a witness of my grace. What about you? What is God calling you for? God calls us to meet needs. Wonderful story in the Bible is the story of Esther. and We don't have time to go into the story, but I love the story. How she became the queen. And the Hebrews were under threat. No one knew what to do. Mordecai, her uncle, said to her, Esther, Who knows but that you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You see, God calls us because there is a need to be met, and we must commit ourselves to him in order to meet the need. Alexander McLaren wrote, It was not Erasmus, the polished, learned, scintillating intellect of his time, who made Germany over. It was rough, rugged Martin Luther with a conviction and compassion as deep as life. If our world is going to be changed, it is not the gifted who will change it, it's the committed those who are committed to him. God speaks. Do you hear him? Ordinary service. But is God speaking to you today? Well, then will you be obedient to him? Here am I. Send me. Father and God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, speak to the people today. Lord, and I pray that they might hear you in the routine of this service. I pray that it will be extraordinary, supernatural, because they've heard the voice of God. And Lord, because they are obedient to you. Bless this invitation, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. We extend an invitation to trust the Lord, to join the church. Whatever God's calling you to do, stand with me, please. As we stand together, they sing, You come, I'll greet you as you do. today we have the first family lunch and uh